Thank you for listening to the Matt's Movie Reviews podcast, available on Podbean, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Amazon Music, and Stitcher. Also, please follow Matt's Movie Reviews on Facebook, YouTube, LinkedIn, Reddit, Instagram, and MeWe. And of course, be sure to visit mattsmoviereviews.net for the latest reviews, top 10 lists, and more. Now, on to the show. As you can see, our weather right now is actually uh, pretty fantastic and uh, should be a really nice night for driving movies. We're very fortunate in this COVID-19 issue to have been, for the most part, permitted to continue to operate. March of 2020, all of a sudden we were geniuses because everything had turned into drive-in. Now that everything's back open again, they're not here. Driving isn't the top of the choice anymore. We're just trying to keep heads above water and keep rolling right now. We don't have to wear face masks. We don't have to have 50% capacity. But then there's other problems. Usually we'd show double features. We're understaffed, so we can't do double features right now. And the supply chain challenges have been real. I've never seen anything like this. It could be the worst July attendance-wise on record. I thought it would really be fun to spend our retirement at a drive-in. I didn't realize that we would spend our retirements on a drive-in as well. But um, here we are. So. <laughs> there is a train that goes by at 9.45, directly behind the screen, too. I would suggest the management coordinate intermission with the trains. Drop-ins have had to completely reinvent themselves time after time, and I think we're going through a reinvention process now. My goal was to show my boys that if you have a dream, you can build it. This is the first busy weekend we've had since COVID started. Normal for a Sunday being a little bit busier yet, but I'm, I'm thankful for what we have here. Bowling balls, bowling pins, dude cookies. Beer garden is open, he's making white Russians. <laughs> it's just one of those things that makes you feel like you are actually doing something good in the community. We've had proposals out here. It's really a lovely place. I'm at the love of my life here. We're going to have to drive in. The money's not the best, but my job is the best. And once you're in here, a lot of the different uh, things that are going on now, especially the negative or stressful things, don't exist once you're in here. We have no intention of going anywhere. We're going to stay right where we are. This is not the first tragedy that's ever happened, and it won't be the last. We've survived so many years where we shouldn't have continued on that we're pretty confident we'll see the sunrise again, and it'll be back to where we were. Norwich Intermission, it's 9:24. <laughs> Just gotta base it on the train now, I guess. <laughs> Hello and welcome to the Matt's Movie Reviews Podcast. I am your host, Matthew Perkovich, and this is episode number 512. Out now on digital is Back to the Driving, a documentary that visits 11 family-owned driving theaters across the U.S. and delves into the highs and lows of a once-prosperous movie-watching experience. A fascinating look at the day in the life of the driving theatre while delving into the struggles theatre owners must contend with in a post-COVID world. Back to the Driving is also the latest film from director April Wright, who I'm glad to say joins me now on the podcast. April, how are you? I'm doing great. <laughs> Happy to be here. 
I'm so happy you're here too. It's really interesting watching Back to the Driving because this is like territory you kind of approached before. You had the um, Going Attractions movie that came out in 2013. Um, and that movie kind of delved into the um, the history of the driving and it went to numerous locations like around America. Um, and uh, it, it was just a really kind of fascinating movie there. But this is a film that kind of looks like at their driving as a business model, like post-COVID especially. Um did you always think you were going to do a follow-up? Because that first documentary is rather comprehensive, but this one is a, it's like another chapter to it, and I think a really interesting one too, considering that COVID really brought business kind of back forward to the driving theatre for a little while then. So was that was this documentary a case of trying to re-look at the landscape post kind of like mm-hmm. that mini boom that kind of happened there for a while? Yeah, that's a great question. So I um, I called it back to the drive-in for all the reasons you were mentioning. It was me going back to the drive-in to explore this topic in a different way. During COVID, everybody went back to the drive-in. <laughs> and I hope after people watch the film that they are inspired to go back to their drive-ins and keep going. Um, but for me, I I did want to revisit the topic. Um, like you said, the other was the history. So it was more of a, you know, historic retrospective film with a lot of archival images and looking at everything from the invention to the peak in the 50s and then all the ups and downs, all the things that have affected the decline. And for this one, um, what I realized getting to know drive-ins more over the years is that pretty much all of them are family owned, they're family businesses. Even some of the ones that have more than one location, they might be a corporation, but they're a family owned corporation. So yeah. they're, they're still, you know, just family businesses. And um, and these families put in a lot of work and they're very passionate about keeping the drive-ins in li- alive. They feel like they're such an important part of their communities. They're a gathering place, they're a place for families. And especially nowadays, they believe that places like that are important um, to to their community. So I wanted to pull back the curtain, visit, you know, visit all different types of drive-ins. I took a lot of care in trying to show different types of drive-ins, different, you know, perspectives. Um, But I just really wanted to show people what goes into it, give them a little appreciation and hope it makes them want to go back. There are, I think last time I saw 325 drive-ins in America. Australia's only got 16 at the moment. Um, I know. Well, it was always the U.S. had the most and then Canada and then Australia and then, you know, a few dabbling through Europe, um, but not as much as our three countries. And it's still the same now. But, yeah, the decline is relative, you know, to the total number. And I think we've all lost like 95% of them that mm-hmm. we had at one time. So the numbers are just kind of by comparison. Actually, going into COVID, I believe um, the number everyone saw was that there was about 305 in the mm. US. And now we are definitely under 300. Despite the boom, um, there have been a number that have closed and a lot that have changed hands. And But there's also some new ones being built and there's some old ones being brought back to life. There's probably more activity in the last two years around just sort of drive-ins, closing, opening, changing hands than we've seen in the last 30 or 40 years. So yeah, it, we're definitely in a transition. I remember going to a drive-in when I was, uh, I think, a, a teenager um, I didn't drive myself, but my brother took me a few times. I had like a godfather took me a few times too. And I remember those movie experiences being 
so vastly different than everything else because there's an intimacy in it. You kind of like in your own little cubicle, you've got your own screen in front of you. This was before kind of like big screens, iPhones, everything, all that kind of stuff. Um, but it's also um, a really interesting experience because um, it, it kind of felt like to me, like, like I said, the intimacy was a really kind of important kind of factor there. And it felt like you were traveling to somewhere. It almost felt like a road trip in kind of way. Um, and it's clear to me that the driving experience to you is definitely a sort of a labor of love. Do you remember those, the driving experiences that kind of like formed that labor of love uh, for you um, mm-hmm. to the point where you've now uh, uh, done two documentaries based on that subject? And not only that, I should say, and I must say congratulations, honorary member of the Driving uh, Theatres Owners Association as well. So congrats to that. So what was it like, what was the experiences you had as a, as a younger person um, that really formed that really kind of love a relationship with with the the driving theater as not only a a a unique movie going experience but one that uh, i think and and you uh, think should be not only cherished but um needs to survive further so other generations could get that experience as well yeah i feel like you know for me personally but what a lot of people say as well is that going to drive in it is a more magical experience you have you know you're you can you do have that intimacy and in the communication with the people that you're with, but it's also a communal activity, a, a, you know, a neighborhood, a community activity because, you know, people are there um, near each other and it just um, it's beyond seeing a movie. It's really uh, creating an experience and you do remember it more vividly. It, it does create those really good memories. And my mom took us as kids. Um, I grew up outside of Chicago area and we had three drive-ins that were relatively, you know, close enough to go to in the summers. So that really sticks in my head. And then I continued to go as a teenager. And then after that, as I got into college and beyond, I noticed there were fewer and fewer. I noticed um, some of them were just sort of closed and sitting there empty, you know, getting into terrible disrepair. And I think that's what planted the seed Uh, initially to want to make a movie, even though I didn't do it for many, many years after that. But I really wanted to understand what happened. How could anyone let them get into such bad shape? How could they be closed? We love cars. We love movies. That equation just didn't make sense to me. So I really wanted to explore it. And I think at this point, yeah, I definitely have been to more drive-ins than probably anybody. And um, I have developed a passion for them. And, um, And I can kind of see just from going to so many, I do feel like uh, communities um, and cities are impacted when we have less community gathering places and less places for families to go and have fun with the kids. When we tear down places like this to put in big box stores or things like that, I do think the community suffers. And so I'm very much an advocate for keeping places like this around. I think they're important more than just the economic equation. The Matt's Movie Reviews podcast is brought to you by T Public. Public is the world's largest marketplace for independent creators to sell their work on the highest quality merchandise. With over 1.2 million designs, Public is sure to have something you will love. The Matt's Movie Reviews Podcast is brought to you by Amazon. The world's leading online store, Amazon is your first stop to buy a wide range of products at competitive prices with fast delivery times. Amazon is also a world-class entertainment hub that includes Prime Video, Audible, Twitch, Amazon Music, and more. Sign up with Amazon today and experience the best in online shopping and entertainment. Please support Matt's movie reviews on Patreon. 
get access to exclusive content, request movie reviews and top 10 lists, and help support my work. Please click on the Patreon link in the description below. Well, there are different problems that throughout, throughout the movie, it's really interesting. You have these 11 places in different states. Well, some were, like a couple were in Texas, um, because Texas, of course, was the home of like the driving theater, right? That's where it kind of all started. Um, well, it started in New Jersey. New Jersey. Oh, I thought it was New a Texas Jersey. thing. Okay. Yeah, I did pick three in in um, Texas for the film. I went to eight states and I, I visited 11 drive-ins. But I, around the Dallas-Fort Worth area, it was so interesting to me that there were three completely different types of drive-ins within, you know, driving distance of each other. So the Brazos, you know, has its original old screen, single screen run by a woman who's had it for 37 years. And then you can go to the Galaxy, which has seven screens. It's a newer drive-in. And then you can go to an even newer drive-in, the Coyote, which is right in the city of Fort Worth. You can see the buildings right behind it. They have a cantina, they have a bar. And so I kind of felt like in that area, you can kind of see an original drive-in, a multiplex drive-in, a new drive-in with a bar, you know? So I was like, within that city, you could start to see you know, all the different types of drive-ins there are. So that's kind of why I did that. But but the rest are spread out. Um, and I just tried to get a mix of old drive-ins, new drive-ins, single screens, you know, seven screens, play, uh, you know, sell alcohol, don't sell alcohol, play brand new movies, play old movies. You know, I just tried to get every mix I could. And yet the story was the same at all of them. They were all basically in it together, going through a lot of the same issues, trying to trying to get through this this period in time. A lot of those issues that came up is like supply chain challenge, uh, supply chain challenges, inflation, contending with streaming. But it is a really interesting issue going on now, not only in driving theaters but theaters in general. And I was reading this article in the Hollywood Reporter, which I just got over here, and this is the headline: "Theater chains to studios, please send us more movies." And it's really interesting in this time where we are. It seems to me there's more movies than ever. However, those movies aren't going to the movie houses. A lot of them are going to streaming, a lot of them are going to video on demand. And I know with drive-ins that a lot of times um, a lot of owners were saying they do have a lot of retro films and such, but what they're asking for is more content. They want more films to come out there. How important is it, do you think? And I I think it is incredibly important. Not only do we need more theatres going into theaters but we need i'm sorry more movies going to the theaters but we need more movies going into drive-through theaters because i think the the quality of um, the option of choice i think goes a long way in um having people um want to watch a movie in a driving because instead of having back to the future and and matrix as a double feature maybe the latest kind of films from the two great uh, indie filmmakers out there today right the driving theater i think that will be something that could really kind of boost uh, uh, production and sales in a big way yeah it's a huge challenge i mean and and this has been building for a long time in the industry right that um a lot of the studios are trying to build viewership and and you know people subscribing to their streaming channels and so they wanted for a while to be like, what if we cut out the middleman? What if we take out these theaters and these, you know, distribution that happens? What can we make more money if we just go straight to our own channels? And during COVID, they had an opportunity to test that theory. And also this whole idea of day and date that has been discussed for years. You know, what happens if you put it on streaming the same time it's in a theater? Well, 
the uh, COVID pandemic gave the opportunity to sort of financially test all those theories. And I think what most of the studios have concluded is that that theatrical piece is very important to the movie overall and to the revenues of the movie. So I think we're going to start seeing more theatrical windows returning. I know this year there's a lot more films going straight to theaters first. um, And uh, supposedly in 2024, that list gets even longer. Um, because it it is a different experience when you watch things at home. I don't think we pay as much attention. I it's hard to even remember what did you stream last week or last mm-hmm. month. It all kind of blurs together. When you go to a theater, you really have that locked off, more intimate experience with the movie, with the characters in the movie. And like I was saying before, to drive in on top of that, you just have this memory of the good experience um, in a different way. You remember it in a different way because of all the social aspects of it, I think. So I think it's important. I think it's important to the cinema industry. Um, You know, we've had movies in theaters for over 100 years. So, you know, the idea that we want, you know, that we don't want to experience stories that way anymore um, I think this, you know, cannot be a long-term thing <laughs> that we don't want to. I think we do. I think we do need that somehow. It's really interesting watching uh, back to the driving. How di- different driving um, drive-in um, movie theaters use different tactics, different marketing uh, schemes, different kind of things to kind of bring people to the theater to their theaters to to show that it isn't just watching a movie. There's these other things happening as well. Um, some the um, some places might have a live band playing. Some places might have kind of like the swanky kind of couches and things like that. Some places might have a playground for children. Um, there's different food choices on offer, from like you know grilling burgers in the in the back to uh, the the kind of like the the nachos and tacos and stuff. Say in California compared to you know some other places as well. Um, when it comes to those kind of little extras that kind of these different movie theaters have, how in the differences between them, how much of that is cultural? Um, is it just about catering to the audience that you have in that state and making it unique to that place? Or yeah. considering the three theaters you had in, in Texas, for example, in Fort Worth, do the three places, do, is there crossover in kind of like the extra things that they have? Or do they have kind of different things as well so they can differentiate from one another? Yeah, that's, that's a great question. So um, I think, that is very closely tied to the fact that they're all family owned. Mm. You know, when you have a a family owned business, a small business, those owners make their own decisions and they get to experiment with things to kind of trial and error, see what do their crowds like. And if things change, they can try something new. And I think that's a huge piece of it, um, of the ownership of, of drive-ins and really any small business. And um, as far as the food, yeah, I think, on the whole, drive-in food is better than indoor theater food because they can have better food. They can have more options. They want you to come early and have dinner there. That's really one of the primary sources of revenue. So that aspect is important. But yeah, within within the movie, um, you know, you mentioned some of the food options. There was also at the Greenville Drive-In in New York, they were playing the Big Lebowski. They have a bar area, so they were serving white Russians. They Very had cool. dude, yeah. dude cookies. Um, and so uh it so it does give a lot of latitude to do different things that might promote the evening. And um it, you know, is it regional? I think, I think, sure. Yeah, it definitely um, has to do with their local community and their local audience and just what ideas, um, it, you know, it's showmanship, you know, they're putting on a show each night. How are we going to, you know, attract people away from whatever else they can do in town that evening basically is what happens. It's really interesting because there's a, there's a great quote in the movie. I think it was the, um, 
the owner of the, the Benji's establishment, you're saying that uh, movies used to mean something. There was that anticipation, there was the showmanship. And I think what the drive-in theatre really does kind of provide, and I think the really good quality theatres really do provide is, look, you can watch a movie anywhere, but you can't have a, a, a different places provide different experiences. And I think that kind of thing about having so that showmanship towards um, showing a movie, it's incredibly important, especially in this day and age, because people are just inundated with content all the time. Yeah. And sometimes they can get that content for free, sometimes they can't. But I think it's really important that that showmanship aspect and the anticipation is there because I, I don't know agree about you. Hundred percent on that. Yeah, I you're don't totally know about right. You. Yeah, I, I, I get I go to the theater quite a bit for for screening, but the theater experiences that I cherish more than anything is when I can take my kids to see a movie. They get so excited, excited, and that purity of that excitement you can't beat it. Yeah, I agree. <laughs> um, I just wanted to ask uh, as well about. Um, it's really interesting what seen in different industries, like the music industry, for example, how sometimes these retro aspects of that industry is kind of coming back. I, I think in Australia, and I think it happened in, in America as well, vinyl sales have actually eclipsed CD sales. Um, and, and and that's kind of like unique. And not only that, cassettes are coming back. I don't know if you know about this. Actually, tape cassettes are coming back too. Metallica um, are a big band, and I and I I'm, I'm subscribed to their mailing list. And they actually sent me an email yesterday saying a new album's coming out. We're doing uh, limited edition issues of cassettes of the album. Wow. I was like, I don't even know what I'm going to play this on. But it's really interesting <laughs> in that these kind of retro experiences are coming back. Is the hope, and I think my hope is that in regards to retro experiences of that generations, you know, the last two three generations might not have. Uh, might have heard of before but didn't experience this. I hope that maybe the younger generations will be the ones that could bring something like a drive um, in experience back um, because I think, you know, it's it's one thing to um, to have a, a loyal kind of like a clientele, but I think the, the new blood is really something needed to really kind of boost numbers and, and bring this kind of stuff back because I think the best thing that it could happen to a drive-in theatre is maybe some young influencer tries it out for the first time puts a tiktok video out there and it kind of spreads into this big thing that could be a possibility yeah i mean part of the changing of hands of drive-in ins recently is younger people getting into the business not really young because it is a pretty good financial investment um for a business like this but um but i think you're right i when i had this film in theaters last last year it was in theaters first and now it's out on vod but um, there was a young a young uh, guy in the audience, and he was just like, I don't know why my generation is not all over this. He's like, we need to be about this. We need to support the drive-ins. We need to be going here. You know, this is definitely something we would like. So I hope when my film gets in front of more audiences that people do want to um, have that experience and that they get behind the drive-ins. And you're right, you know, who would have thought vinyl records would come back? Mm. Uh, you know, so... <laughs> And who would have even thought drive-ins would get the bump they did during COVID, you know, yeah. when it was the only thing to go back to. So, you know, I think there's a lot of people looking for those more gratifying experiences, ways to interact with others, ways to, you know, not be so tech. Although drive-ins are very tech, <laughs> a lot of them have laser projectors already. Like of the 11 I visited, three had laser projectors already. And that was even a couple of years ago. So they're not behind the times like people think, but um, but they definitely can provide 
you know, an older, <laughs> a better experience. I don't know, um, you know, to interact and to, and to have a good time. So I'm, I'm optimistic, but there's certainly, you know, challenges along the way for sure. Final question. The driving theater is known for their double features. If you could have the ultimate double feature for a one night, which two movies would you choose to watch the driving? Oh, that's a very interesting one. <laughs> I am going to have to go to my favorite genre. I like horror and thrillers. And so for me personally, I would probably do Carrie and The Shining. They're two of my favorite films, and I have not seen either of them on a drive-in screen. So mm. that would be a good one for me. Good Stephen King, uh, Stephen King double feature there. Yep. <laughs> yeah. I'm a bit of a, I'm a, I, I like kind of like horror cinema as well, but I, I, I think my two would be two 70s classics. And I don't know why I always pin these two together. It must, just, must be my twisted mind. Um, but I go The Exorcist and Dog Day Afternoon um, mm-hmm. because I think those two films really, in my opinion, are kind of like interesting in that they're both kind of based on true stories, but there's um, a twist to the way they're presented on screen. And I'm a big William Frequent and Sydney Lumet film. I think they're the two kind of like unsung kind of heroes of, of, uh, of filmmakers. So I love to see that. You know, driving because I think I've seen those everywhere else but a driving. So um, wow, yeah. yeah, those will be those will be my two. And for everyone else out there, you can check out your own double features at, um, when you check out back to the driving. Um, this is going to be released on video. It is on video on demand. It's a, a documentary that people need to watch um, because I think it's really important that um, not only is that should the theater going experience become a part of the norm again, but something like the the driving theater going experience should be something that should be not only cherished as a uniquely American institution, uh, uh, but also one where it provides a different type of, of, of movie experience. And I think when it comes to movie experiences, things are going a little stale and we need to go back to the past to to really make the present life vibrant again. And I think it's really important we do that. And you did a really good job, job here, April, and I thank you so very much for your time. And um, I'm looking forward to, to seeking out your other documentaries. I know you did um, the one about stunt women and I know you did one about the movie palaces as well. So i got to check those out because I really enjoyed um Back to the driving. If you're, and, uh, if you're into movies, you'll like all my documentaries. They are all different aspects of things behind the scenes of movies. So, yeah, you'll love them. Well, thank you so <laughs> very much for your time today. All right. Awesome. Thank you.